Listener Production. You are listening to episode 26 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part B, featuring movie star Eric Banner. Don't forget, Eric's latest film, Force of Nature, The Dry 2, is in cinemas now. Right now. Do yourself a favour. Righto. On we go, Tommy. So uh, the movie comes out and becomes huge and it's critically acclaimed. Copycat. Isn't that bloody pathetic? If you want to be like your Uncle Chop Chop, get them bloody ears off, eh? Uh, Get out of here. They're interested in me. Get out. What's it like for the first time when you've gone from accepting every gig you can take and being a stand-up comedian and earn your 60, then what's it like when all of a sudden you become a desired property? Um, Well, the exciting thing about about that early on is, you know, when an actor goes on a bit of a run early in their career, you know, you have you have choices to make. Yep. And back then there were a lot of movies being made. I mean, we're talk- I mean, I've been l- very lucky in a few areas of my career in terms of my timing, the timing of starting stand-up comedy, my timing of being able to work in sketch comedy, my timing in terms of stepping into the okay. film world. We're just very, very fortunate in all three areas, right? Um, so there's a lot of films being made back then. If, so if you, if you were a young actor that was on the rise, there was there was a really good amount of choices. I just decided early on, I'm just going to work with the best people I can. I don't care what the size of the role is. Okay. I'm, I'm not in this to be big. I just want to, want the best possible work. And that means working with the best possible people. That, w- that was my focus. You know, it was like, who's the best engineer? You know, who's the best race engineer? What's the best team? Okay. Don't care where I sit on the grid. Um, so you're part of Red Bull, so it's going to shape yep. up well for you because it's going to be successful. Yeah. Give me Adrian Newey. Yeah, Adrian know. Newey, Christian Horner. <laughs> are you happy to be Sergio Perez de Max? Uh, well, early on you are. I, yeah. mean, I mean, you look at Black Hawk Down, there's like 33 of us. Yeah. Unbelievable cast when you look oh. back. Oh, that's one of my favourite movies of all time. I you love that You go through the IMDb cast list on that and you're like, oh, my God, he was in it. Yeah. Oh, my God, he was in it. Oh, Ty Burrell. Oh, Orlando Bloom. Oh, Bill Fickner, Kim Coates. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Costa-Waldau. Uh, it just goes on Eric and Banner. on and on. Josh Hartnett, um, Tom Sizemore, Ewan McGregor. Like it just goes on and on and on. Where was that filmed? In Rabat, Morocco. Oh, Rabat. I've been to Rabat. Right. How long did you have to go to Morocco for? Uh, I was there for about five months. Did you go to Essaouira and get barreled? I did not leave Rabat. <laughs> That's a surf spot. That's a, no, I've heard, of, I, right. I've, heard, I've heard they were very beautiful. Let's just say that the standard of driving was such. <laughs> yeah. That I said to my wife, and we had our son with us who was at that stage 18 months. When he arrived, he was two when he left. I said, we're not going anywhere. Right. We're, <laughs> we're on lockdown until this film's and up. And how long I'm were you getting there? you guys home alive. How long were you there? Five months, I think. Wow. Yeah. So then you, we hear you with accent for the first time, right? You know what I think? It don't really matter what I think. Once that first bullet goes past your head... Politics and all that shit just goes right out the window. Do you just learn the accent for the lines you have to say in the movie or does that not cut it? Do you have to have a a greater sphere of the accent? Yeah, no, you definitely have to have a greater sphere of the accent because you don't get to choose the words and what happens if they change the lines on the day? (laughs) You might be caught short there when you're Southern American then you drop an Aussie because they've changed it. Okay, that makes sense. 
So, yeah, as you go along, whether you're doing a British accent or American that's from a different region or a European, you're studying the whole thing and then you start to get more specific and then you'll you'll use the actual lines in the film as a, as a base and then you'll really break that down because there'll be, there'll be some words and it's the same as for any actor, doesn't matter which country they're from, that for their... For their native tongue, there are words that are harder than others. Yeah. So you'll either put more work into those or you'll change them. Okay. And then you always have a chance to fix it in ADR, you know. So you also don't want to be panicking about it on the day that if something happens or something doesn't sound right that you let that distract you. Uh-huh. And good directors will just go, doesn't, like, we'll deal with that, you know. But generally speaking, you'd want to be perfect on the day. Yeah. How many hours do you reckon goes into producing a accent for a movie for you like are we talking 10 or a thousand oh no it's a lot more than 10 and it depends on what it is you know like i did a film about five or six years ago in cape town south africa i was playing a a uh hardened white supremacist criminal who was south african and it was really south african 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 south african yeah my friend from from and it was period right Right. And and i'm off and forrest whitaker's playing desmond tutu and everyone is, it's hev- heavy South African. So that's the first time I'm doing that accent. So that then it's like a bit of a journey of research and finding the right coach for that accent and then putting in the work and doing most of it from afar, obviously, because I live here. So you're doing a, most of your prep, all your prep pretty much from afar. And then you get to the location, then you bump it up and, you know, then you're surrounded by the sounds and it either gets easier or harder. And then- wow. And then you're getting ready for day one of shooting and you're just, you're trying to get everything perfect for that and not getting ahead of yourself, you know. Well, if he's not talking on day one, well, then let's not stress about day one. It's day two I've got to panic about, or you know. So, yeah, there's many, many hours that go into it. A lot of chatting in the car on your own. Right, just talking to yourself. Yeah. So if you see, if you pull up at a set of lights. <laughs> and you're in the old Ford Beast and you're chatting to yourself. Having, a ch- having an animated chat. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. Um. So then a film, like an action film like that, what's it like when you're, in the Humvee and there's helicopters and like that that's gotta be a whole nother like Black Hawk Down, you yeah. Mean? Yeah. Like I is mean, it is it like we see it as on scale on yeah. the screen. Is it on scale on the set? It is. So I'd say there's probably two big films I've been in, which is Black Hawk Down and Troy. And luckily enough at the time we filmed both of those films, everything was done organically. What does that mean? all was done digitally. Okay. Like, so it actually has to happen. Has to happen. Okay. 90% of it has to happen. So the number of people, the number of – the amount of gear, the number of explosions, the number of RPGs, the number of helicopters, it's happening, mate. Like you feel like it's on. Is and it mind-blowing? It is. It's deafening. So it is an assault to the senses. I'll never forget the, the first live-action take on Black Hawk Down, the first take. Afterwards, every actor just looked at each other and just was in shock <laughs> of the noise. You know, it's just that immediate adjustment going, oh, God, okay, because it affects your concentration, you know. And um, so it is, yeah, and then you're just pinching yourself, right? You're just pinching yourself like, I can't believe we're doing this. And everyone's excited. Everyone's as excited as each other. Do they tell you, right, this is, there's going to be an explosion to your left and a right so you don't end up going to the wrong spot and getting your ankle blown off? Or how does that work? Uh, Ideally, they'd... I'm be concerned about the word ideally. Ideally, Eric. you de- that was a movie you had to you had to look out for yourself. Yes, yes there, there's safety on set and so forth. But Ridley runs 
fast and he runs loose. And the first AD was, you know, super experienced and he runs fast as well. So you really had to pay attention. You really had to be careful. And you, you could very much get hurt on that film if you weren't, if you, if you weren't careful. Biggest okay. issue for me was other actors with guns um, in terms of where their guns were when they were firing them. And, and, and we're using, you know, similar to AR-15 sort of style military weapon that's you hold the trigger down and it's going. So what what is it like shooting blanks? Obviously, yeah, but it's still you know loud. your ears don't know they're blanks. Okay, so it's full on. It's full, and you haven't got earplugs in. Wow, you know for most of it. So um, yeah, if an actor fired the gun too close, you'd have a word with them. And what happens amongst these pyrotechnics and the expense to get the shot if something? If someone gets their part wrong, like I, I guess you can't just go back and say, "Can we spend another twenty five thousand on that explosion?" You don't. You just don't. So you you've just, got to get it right. Got to get it right. Right. And you hope you're not one of those guys that's got a line at the end of a sequence. <laughs> that's what and you hope. And you bumble and stumble yeah. it out. You hope that your line is the first thing that happens <laughs> when they yell action, <laughs> and they pan from you to the helicopter. <laughs> you don't want. And then here comes Howie with his one line. <laughs> ah, oh, sorry, guys. Can we do that again? <laughs> okay. So then the physical, which film is, is Troy the one where you've been in physically your best shape, like where you have to turn up looking like a bloody warrior? We never really spoke about how I was meant to look. Um, that was sort of up to me really in terms of, okay, well, what? How how would he look? Well, it's just going to come from all the work I'm putting into preparing for the role. It wasn't like I, you know, I was at the gym trying to get a bodybuilder shape or anything. It was like, well, I was training extensively sword fighting and fight choreography. I was, you know, spending a lot of time on a horse. I was training, and it was like I'm going to end up in whatever shape that ends up okay. being. You know, it was. It's not a lot of like you know shirts off in front of the mirror. I feel like net today it's different. I feel like. People are very aesthetically driven. Very much so. Very aesthetically driven and, you know, it's all about, you know, the six-pack and the this and the that. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Right. And, you okay. know, um, the the most ridiculous shape I've ever been in was on, was on Black Hawk Down. I didn't have my shirt off. It was a byproduct of what I wanted to do as that character and I'd heard so much about him. He's based on a real person. And it's like, oh, no, he's the elite of the elite, you better step up. So it was a whole mindset thing. It wasn't. It wasn't about oh, because well, I was actually quite slight for that. Yeah. But but if you saw me with my shirt off, it was a completely different sort of thing. But I wasn't thinking about that. No. I was just like, I'm playing hoot, and this guy is is who he is, and I better prepare in such a way. So what did you have to do to be prepared to be him physically? What were like were you throwing steel or were you running or like from a from an athletic perspective? From an athletic what were perspective, you doing? I, I, I I was. Um, the most disciplined I've ever been in my whole life. Food-wise? Food-wise. Um, in terms of training, I trained six days a week. Um, wasn't crazy amount of hours because I was very cautious of recovery and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it was just, it was very meticulous um, and disciplined. Like there was no, there was no, you know, cheating. There was no alcohol. There was, there was just, there was no, sh no, Donuts. <laughs> Did you feel no donuts? Did no you feel amazing? Yeah, I felt amazing, and I and I kept it going through the whole shoot because I was so scared of not of of jumping out of that mindset once I was in it. It was just that was it. 
Um, that's funny actually, because we had some actors on Black Hawk Down who, who turned up, you know, in shape, cut to craft services and the catering and, you know, to feed that many people, well, you can imagine every lunchtime it's fries. Right. So if you want to go back and watch that movie, there are some moments where someone fires their gun, ducks their head down behind a, a, a concrete wall, yep. comes back up five seconds later, might look like they've put on 10 pounds. <laughs> Ever have too many fries at the lunch break? No, like just in terms of, well, we, we shot we shot you running down the street today. Right. We're going to shoot you coming around the corner in four weeks' time. This is stuff you have to think about as an actor. And so on that, are you completely clear or is it made clear to you what you're doing that day in relation to the bigger picture of the film or it's just this is what we need you to do today? No, so you've got a schedule. Um it's usually pretty detailed for the for the next day. It's it's rough for the day after that, and then it's pretty loose for the rest of the week. You'll you'll try and get a sense of the order of the general filming, but they don't like to give out too much information because every shoot is 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 a problem trying to be solved, and it depends on weather and locations and actor schedules. And I'm always there for what they call run of show, so I'm always there well before we start filming. I'm there to till the end. I try not to plug in and out. But you always have a lot of actors who are plugging in and out and so okay. trying to schedule around them. And we've got to shoot, sorry, we've got to shoot that scene tomorrow because how he's, he's got to get back to his podcast, you know. Yep. Um, so it's always out of order. It's never ideal. And that's part of the challenge. You try and break down the script and work it out. I mean, I remember on Troy, the very first, my first day on that film was me saying goodbye to my wife and child before going out to fight Achilles. So you've it right won. The, the back end. Right. Oh, okay. I'm about to die. Okay. I'm saying goodbye to my wife and child. Okay. And action. You know? <laughs> go and and say goodbye to Saffron and then go and kiss the baby and now we put on the armor. Okay. Day one. So it's never it's never as you imagine it. And then in that film, when you're like so you how much work goes into a realistic sword fight between you and Brad Pitt? Oh, Jesus, how is so much work. Is it? Oh, so much work. So it's not the boys just roll up, Eric, yeah, swing not the sword this fight. way. Right. Not Tell me that about fight. that. Tell me about that. So I had probably five big sequences in that film that I had to train for. Um, so, again, it's it's like back to the accent thing. It's like you can't just learn the choreography that for that piece. You've got to learn general sword play to a vast amount so that you can then, I guess it's like if someone was doing a karate film, like you're going to just got to learn a base so that they can then yes. teach you on day. So you're learning a base and then you're breaking it down into the five fights and then you're getting to the stunt team and then they're breaking it down chronologically. This is the one we're going to shoot first. So they know. We know that, that Hector Achilles is at the end of the film. Okay, that's five months away. Wow, okay. That's quite daunting. So on the one hand, you've got, time to learn it, but at the same time, you kind of want to get it done. So so you're going in order and you're really hyper-focusing on the next fight and you're working with the stunt team to hone that. And you're not working with the other actor at that point because you don't want to stuff each other. You're not good enough to be working, slowing each other, each other down. Huh. So you're working with their double and they're working with your double and the doubles there, not for on-screen stuff, but for the training and the prep. Um, so months and months and months and months and months. By the time I got to that fight, I knew every move from start to finish with my eyes closed, like every, the whole fight. And it was funny when we went and did the, 
the voiceover stuff at the end, like just for breaths and efforts. I remember jumping into the studio and it was like six or eight months later and they had a microphone on a thing and I said, can you just hang a mic from the roof? Because I remember this fight. I'll just do the fight and try and pick up as much. Still in it's your easier for me to do it that way rather than standing still and watching it. And it was still in my body. Like it was so ingrained. It was still still there. And when you're doing it at the time with Brad, what level of intensity is it at? Is it acting to get your sword in the right spot or is it swinging your sword as hard as you can because it's a fight to the death? That's a really great question, Harry, because in a perfect world, you want to be able to see the acting in a, in a, in a sequence. You don't want to see a series of moves. And I think what's happened to, to a lot of action sequences these days is you may as well not have learnt the bloody thing. You know, it's two moves cut, three moves cut. Like, really? I spent six months on this and you're going to cut this up like, okay. like a piece of sushi? You want to work with directors who are going to hold the frame. So, so in that instance, you want to know the fight so well so that you can act the emotion that's behind it. And I, I work with great stunt guys on that, that film and they would just keep drumming that into me. Where's Hector at now? Now he's step, we're stepping up the desperation. Like he doesn't know he's going to – he thinks this is the point where he thinks he's going to win, I reckon. This is the point where you're starting to get overwhelmed. Like, how do you play that while still trying to hit your marks? Well, you can only do that if you know the moves down perfectly. You can't yeah, be thinking okay. about is it left and right and okay. get it up here and, you know. Um, so that's what – and we had a great second unit director, Simon Crane, who was very big on do not tell me you're ready. Do not waste my time, your energy. We're only going to roll the camera when you guys are 100% ready to go at 110%. Don't, do not waste That's your energy with on. an 80, 90 percenter. Yeah. And he could just feel it. He'd just go, I reckon you're getting tired. Let's just take five. I presume before Munich you had to meet Steven Spielberg? Yes. Do, do, you, do you walk into a meeting like that and think, Jesus, I'm Eric from Tullamarine or not? Well, um, funny story. I just happened to be in LA because we were doing reshoots for Troy because the wall of Troy got got blown down in a hurricane. Brad and I got sent home for a month or two, told, stay in shape, keep up your choreography, come back and we're going to reshoot it. I came back and I got to LA and I turned up to a fight studio just to get, get warmed up for a few days before shooting. Brad turned up with a moon boot on. He torn his Achilles and hadn't told anyone. Rather ironic, really, the name of his character. 100%. But <laughs> you got my number, Brett. Let me know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we all looked at each other and thought it was a prank. And he started trying to hobble around. He said, no, I'll be okay in a couple of days. And Simon Crane just took one look at him and looked at me. We're not doing this. No. Off you go. Back home. So by pure luck, I was in LA. Um, and my agent said, Spielberg wants to meet you. And I had, by pure coincidence, read Vengeance okay. off my own back because I'd read a lot of stuff. And he said, it's secretive. No one knows what this project is. No one knows why he wants to meet you. But these are the rumours of the projects he's developing. Blah, 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 blah. He was shooting the terminal with Tom Hanks out in the desert. So I go out to the desert to the set of the terminal and I meet him in his lunch break. And I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Tom Hanks is there with his in his airstream, says a quick hello, and I'm in awe of him. And Stephen starts talking about this project, and I just remember, I remember the sense of relief 
that I wasn't flat-footed and I was able to say, I've, I've read that Jonas book and I'm mm. aware of that story and are you talking about the Arvna character? And we just spoke about it and he said, I, I just, I, I, in his way, he said, I, yeah, so I'd really like you to, like you to play Arvna and it just washed over me. I didn't, it didn't really sink in and I was like, I think he, and I hopped in the car and I was driving back to the hotel and my agent called and he was like, tell me exactly what he said. I said, I think he said, I think he said, I, I want you to play. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. He said, you damn right he did. You know, like I just got a phone call, blah, blah, blah. And it's just this surreal moment of like, oh my God, not only am I going to work with him, but I'm going to work with him on this project. Like just being so excited. Yeah. And are you tremendously proud of that film? I, as I said, I watched it again. Brisbane to Perth before a big bash final the other well, day and it was as good as I remembered that film. Yeah, and no, I'm very proud of it. Um, I think it's a beautiful film. It is. It's incredibly well shot. So Janusz Kaminski, who's Stephen's DP, Director of Photography, is I think one the best of all time, if not the best of all time. So to watch that film is a masterclass in cinematography and the relationship between a director and a cinematographer working together the way that the action's composed and the drama's composed, the, the way it's edited, it's, it's just, I just pinch myself that I'm in it. And I would do that every day. Huh. It's a period film. It's like, this is my favourite genre, 70s thriller. Only beaten for me. This is going to disappoint you creatively. You're a um, Nugget fan. Well, no, 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 I am a Nugget fan. <laughs> Did you charge the batteries? you got to charge your batteries, mate. Didn't you read the instructions? But even more, even more than the nugget of your 30-odd years wide breadth of work, if I had to say I want to watch one minute of Eric Banner on loop, funny people when you're describing <laughs> the footy <laughs> to your man Adam Sandler. Yeah, okay. Bullshit, you're staying here. Plus, there's a game of Aussie Rules footy on the dish tonight. Semi-final, Saints versus Maggie's not that American shit. I want you to see it. One condition. You Aussie pussies got any beer around here? Yes, it's on! Woohoo! Yes! You know, it doesn't matter if you're a small fucker or a big fucker. You can play this game because the small fuckers go in, barrow underneath, you get the ball up and the ball hits the ground like that. Watch, little fuckers down they go, there they are. Big fuckers, smack them. Little fucker, little fucker, off to a big fucker. Now he's going to go down to another big fucker. I hate that big fucker. No helmets. No fucking helmets because they're real men. See? Just explain the game to them. They're loving it. Good call. That that is elite, Eric. Were you involved in the scripting of that, or was that delivered to you? That was ad lib. That right. was all ad lib. Was it? Yes. I was hoping you would say that. Yeah. That's that's my one minute. If I want to say, right, who is Eric Banner? I'm saying, watch that one uh, minute clip with a Lenny Hayes poster on the <laughs> with on the, a Lenny on Hayes the poster on the wall. Yeah, I slipped that one in. Um, that was so funny. The first conversation I had with with Judd because the character was written as American, right. And I spoke to him and I knew the producer, Barry Mendel, who was one of the producers on Munich, sent me the script. I said, it's hilarious. I'd love to do it. I said, I just got one question. Um, I wouldn't normally ask this, but can I, can I be Australian? I said, I, I know, I know, I know who this guy is. I know, I know who this guy is if he's American. I said, but I really know who he is if he's Australian. And I just think it'll work better. 
and they were open to it. And then, and I got there and they were, they were completely embracing of it. And then we started talking about, they're like, what sport would he follow? Oh, it's going to be AFL. It's going to be hyper Australian. It's going to be AFL. And is, is there like a particular team you think like <laughs> he would follow? Like, do, do, like, is there someone you're thinking? You know, I said, yep. Yeah. He'd follow St. Kilda football club. <laughs> and is there going to be like a problem if we want to like get some like merchandise or like get clearance? I'm like, yeah, well, that'll be okay. We'll, we'll work on that. You know, cut to St. Kilda scar, Lenny Hayes poster. <laughs> it's great line. More of Eric Shorley. Now, if you like your acting types, go back, way back. Episode two of the Artist Series back in September 2021 where triathlete turned actor Daniel McPherson joined us to talk about what the life of an actor is really like and how brutal casting calls can be. But what, so there's sort of five levels, five steps of these auditions. You get a general audition or, or generally a self-tape, but back then you're in the room. It's fascinating. Then you get a, you get a callback. Then the third step is a producer's or director's session where you go back a third time and you've got the producers and the directors in the room. And then the fourth time might be another one of those or it might then be a network test. So the final level of this is a network test, which means you're down to the top two, top three, top five guys or girls for that role. To get from the producer's session to the network test, you negotiate your entire contract. You negotiate money, you negotiate dates, you negotiate time off, you negotiate flights, you, you negotiate everything as though you have the job before you can go to the final level, which is the network test. Then you go and do it again for the heads of the network, head of NBC, head of CBS, head of Paramount, head of Sony, head of whoever, and they go, yeah, that guy's good. Well, that guy's good, that guy's good. That is Daniel McPherson back in September 2021, episode two of the Artist Series. Let's get back to Eric. I just want to ask you a little bit about um, what it's like stepping onto a set when when the pressure's on. But uh, I have two kids, Eric, mm-hmm. and whoever's most engaged with the guests asks a question. So we've been going, I don't know, six, How seven years now. Well, uh, so this, my son, who is asking this, I've got a 14-year-old daughter. <sighs> really frightening, and a 12-year-old son, just turned 12. His name is Mac. I won't go into the story with you because people that listen know it well, um, but he operates as the big penguin. Okay. So this is his question for you. Hey, Eric, big penguin here. When I'm trying to learn my French, what I do is I have to repeat the word over and over and over and over in my head for multiple days in a row until it gets stuck in my head. So what I want to know is how do you learn your lines when you do acting? Well, Big Penguin, that's a good question. Everyone has a different approach. I find reading the script from beginning to end many, 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 many times over without trying to learn the lines is my first step. Then I start concentrating more so on my lines. And what I find is that some of that stuff has sunk into my subconscious As you've done it. As I've done it. And it becomes easier. Then I break it down into week by week. So what are we filming this week? Uh That's all I need to concentrate on. Because early on, I used to get really overwhelmed by the fact that you think you're going to film the the whole thing in one day and you just make your head explode. So, (laughs) so yes, I do find it easier. Uh, Yes, I do have to go over it many, many, many times. 
I do find it easier once I get there on the day and other actors are saying their lines. There's something that happens, works with the brain and you get, you're able to place, put people in time and space and there's a flow. If, if the script's well written, it's easy to learn your lines. And if, the, if I'm finding it hard to learn my lines, it's not a good sign. Not a good sign. But yes, a lot of repetition. Oh, it's funny. I find when I started calling the footy, if I had to learn 10 players' numbers, it would take me 45 minutes. Now, I think it's like training any other muscle. It might take eight minutes. Wow. So I don't know whether you've got better at learning them over the years. Do you get, like, say it's a big shoot, right? And you're one of the main men, whether it's Munich or whatever it is. Do you get nerves before you walk out for the first time? Because there's, there's a multi-million dollar investment going on. And for that moment, you know, you're obviously a down-to-earth, humble character, but for that moment, it is all about you. So to make everyone else's job shine, you have to nail it. How, how do you approach that walking out thinking, right, I've got to get this? It's definitely more excitement than nerves because okay. I've done the prep. So I'm not at that stage, I'm ideally not, not doubting myself. So it's just genuine excitement. Um, it's always good to get the first day out of the way. So there's, there are more nerves on that on that first day because, and also everyone's new, right? And that takes energy, meeting people, getting to know their names. Yes, which you you initially have to just blank out because that's at that point you're just trying to get something on film, and then after after time you sort of learn who everyone is and you get more comfortable. But first day is is a battle. But you get what happens is you get more used to first days. Your first first day is the hardest. Mm-hmm. When it's your 50th first day, well, you know how you're going to feel and you're able to kind of like compartmentalize all that stuff and work out how to go about that first day. How have you stayed a down-to-earth approachable Australian when you spend a lot of time in environments that are not typically suited to that? Movie star, America, LA, how have you just been a normal person? Well, if you think about it practically, that wouldn't be an issue for me because I don't spend any time really in that world. So I live here and then when I get a job, I go to that location and work and then I jump on a plane and I come home. So why did you choose to do that rather than moving to LA and getting a house in the Hollywood Hills and being a... It's just not practical. If it was practical, I would, I would do it. Um, so the reality is most films are filmed in countries that have good tax rates at that time for that, especially when you're working in the independent space. And huh. Most of the films that I work on are sort of low to mid-budget, right, with the exception of the big ones you're talking about. So you're either in Canada or Europe or the UK, 95% of the time. Shot very little stuff in uh, greater USA. So then you're like, okay, so you're going to be away from home. Um, and then what do you do when you're not working, which is a vast majority of the year? Well, you want to be home. Well, so let's say I moved to London and my next film was being shot in Bulgaria and then I'm in London. My wife and I aren't home. She's from Sydney. I'm from Melbourne. Neither of us are at home. Mm. We're in London. The next film's being shot in Malta again. So you see what I mean? Like, so I realise it's irrelevant where you live, so I may as well just stay at home. And I wasn't on a long-running TV show ever. That's a different conversation. Um and I avoided that because I didn't want to have to pull up stumps and go somewhere else. So, so do you yeah. think of yourself as a movie star? No, I think of myself as an actor. Right. Yeah. Because I think of you as a movie star. But I guess to be a movie star, you have to be an actor, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, and sometimes, most of the time, I don't even think of myself as an actor. 
seeing myself as a part-time actor because that's the honest truth. I, I don't even do that full-time. Like it's two or three months of the year, sometimes four or five. But generally, you're, you're, you're at, at the footy a lot more than you're on a film set. Yeah, okay. You know, so. Sounds all right. It's a case of, yeah, jumping in and jumping in and out. Final question. We always finish this way. We are blessed on this show to have a lot of young and inquiring minds listen. A lot of people on the way to cricket training or piano practice or science class that want to achieve some success in their life. You've obviously achieved tremendous success. Um, what advice would you give? And as a father, you know, this is a rather weighty question. What mm. advice would you pass on to those that are listening that want to have success in their field? Do not underestimate the basics would be mine. I mean, so in my field, do not underestimate knowing your lines and being early. Huh. Like the true basics. Because I think we all assume that someone needs to be extraordinary at, at what they do or everyone's extraordinary to, to succeed. But to be really good at something, I think your foundations have to be really, really solid. And I think you have to have rituals or things that you fall back on that give you a sense of calm and being able to operate. So I, I've, I always say that, you know, in my field, young actors, don't underestimate that. Don't think you have to be, you know, anyone that you're not. Don't underestimate the, the, the basics because there'll be someone who's, who's late and there'll be someone who turns up that doesn't know their lines mm. and they may not get the next job. So to fulfill your potential, you've got to be able to do the basics and then go from there. I love it. Um, I've had a hectic month, six weeks, eight weeks with the cricket, and this has been locked in the diary, and it's kept me going a few times. I think I can't wait to speak to Eric. Thank you. As a gift, I don't know how. I don't know how this I've become involved in a brewery. Oh, so there's some Barrenheads Brewing Co. Japanese is... lagers for you. Do you drink beer? I do drink beer. Okay, well, let me know how you Very find nice the Japanese packaging. lager. Yeah, nice packaging. Hopefully a nice beer for you as well. From Barwon Heads. From Barwon Heads. Actually, a question I didn't ask you. Yeah. Before the summer, yep. uh, my wife and I, who live in Bowen Heads, were going for a walk and we always walk up the same way to the beach and you have to go through the golf course. There was a chap that looked a lot like you. Do you, before, have, you have you played at the old played Bowen? once. Right. Before Christmas. Before See, I thought it was you, and I said to my wife, I reckon that was Eric Banner. And she said, go and say g'day. I said, I can't be that bloke that goes and says g'day because you were looking. So it was you. I hope you didn't see my swing. No, <laughs> I didn't see your bloody swing. Bit rusty. Um, let's say we're in the beginning phases. I'm about 18 months in. Right. Slightly obsessed. Absolutely love it. How good? My wife's better than me, and she's more obsessed. Right. So we do a lot of it together. How it's good is that golf course? That Unbelievable! Is I'm and very lucky to live there. Yes, beautiful. Did you go into the clubhouse? Yes. Yeah, beautiful. we stayed the night. Right. Yeah, we did a nine hole in the Arbo and then eighteen hole the next day. It was wonderful. Well, I'm glad I didn't interrupt you. You're but very next, lucky. Next time you're there, you can get your hands on the Bowen Heads uh, Brewing Co beer. Hey, mate. Um, as I said, this kept me going for a while. Um, thank you so much. Congratulations um, with the force of nature. Good luck with everything moving forward, and it's been an absolute treat to have you on the Howie Games. Thanks, mate. I've really enjoyed the chat. All the best. What a dude. What an absolute dude. Thanks to Eric for giving his time and being such a cool cat. Remember, Force of Nature, The Dry 2 is out now in cinemas. Go to the ticket booth. Tell them how we game see you, see what happens. Not much, I reckon, but give it a go. Okay, until next week with Craig McRae. You know the rest. Peace and love.